And welcome to episode 25 of the Brood Sages, Stormbound players with a head for the game. I am Freeloader, and with me tonight is Subaiku. Arthas has the week off. Subaiku, how's it going? Fantastic. Well, we are the Brood Sages, and as a reminder, you can always follow us at Brood Sages on Twitter, or for all of you who used to be fascinated by Krang on the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show, our email address is thebroodsages at gmail.com. So tonight, guys, uh, we are going to be focusing on a, sort of a, a, a big issue in the community right now, at least the Discord community, and we do apologize up front for this. We recognize that... We've tried to keep this podcast to be as broad as possible to try to reach as many of the Stormbound players out there in the world as possible. For the vast majority of you, this isn't an issue. (laughs) If somebody told me right now that there's 1% of the active monthly players in the Heroes League, I would believe it. I don't know what the number is. Sabaiku, do you? Do you have any idea? As a percentage of the population, no, I don't know. I can tell you right now, at the time we're recording, there are 243 players in the Heroes League, and that doesn't feel like a ton compared to the number of people that we think play this game. Right. So we recognize that the the, the topic of tonight, which is the issues with the Heroes League and the problems that seem to be uh, uh, boiling to the surface right now, these are not uh, these are not everybody's problems, um, but it's vociferous enough, and I think concerning enough to the overall sort of feel of the community that we're experiencing, uh, especially in Discord, that uh, we thought it warranted this episode. Uh, so that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. We're focusing on the Heroes League, uh, where it's at. And and uh, pretty fundamentally, what is it trying to do? What is it trying to be versus what does it seem the community wanted it to be? Well, even though Arthas couldn't be here this week, he did send along a quick audio file that included his thoughts on playing in the Heroes League. Arthas, what do you think? Heroes League forces players to play the same decks with the same unhealthy cards, and there's just no escaping it. And I will say before we get started that we're coming at this from a perspective of two people who are playing in the Heroes League. We are base health 19. Our decks are a mix of level four and level fives and more on the level four side for for both of us, I think. And we're just approaching this from the perspective of what used to be Diamond 1, which is let's play some interesting decks. Let's test out some interesting ideas against the top players in the game, but we're not necessarily trying to win every game and we're not trying to climb into the top 10. In fact, both of us are, I don't think, even in the top half of the Heroes League. No, no, no. Right now, I'm actually sitting quite happily at exactly 200. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So for those of you who don't know yet, um, the way the Heroes League works is uh, you are given a score, uh, basically your crown points, your ELO. Uh, if you if you don't know what that is, that's okay. Don't worry about it. But it's it's a thousand as you walk into the Heroes League. Maybe it's higher than that if you did a really good run through Diamond. And based on your score and your opponent's score, let's say they're very similar, well, then the amount of points you can win in that match versus the amount of points you can lose in that match are about 50-50. For the sake of this example, we'll say I can win 10 points or lose 10 points. It depends upon if I win or lose the game. But 
if I happen to queue into one of the top players, the reward I get for winning is huge in comparison. And the penalty I get for losing is next to nothing because it's expected. I'm playing against one of the highest scores in the leaderboard. I should lose this game. So losing it doesn't really hurt me. Right, because it works off of a point differential. So the difference between your rank and your opponent's rank is really what drives how many crowns you get or how many crowns you lose. So there's a big reward for punching up against competition that's ranked higher, but there's a big risk for somebody ranked higher who is potentially getting upset. Exactly. And because this is a card game that has RNG in it, it's always conceivable that an upset occurs. In fact, I think we've both had very good upsets recently uh, where we beat some of the top players in the game. I know I, I, I've had a, a win against the number one and the number two at different points. You just beat the Merc tonight. Congratulations on that win, by the way. Um, but all of those upsets in aggregate, Sabaiku, over the course of a month shouldn't really impact any. They, they make an immediate impact on a leader's or or a top 10 player's ranking, right? But, but lest we forget, this is a month-long event. It's a marathon. But a lot of the complaining we're starting to hear right now, we're halfway through that marathon and a lot of people at the top are saying, I can't keep sprinting. Not only are we halfway through the marathon, but we're halfway through the first month that this is effective. And this month is not like all the other months because people that finished at Diamond last month started at Platinum and have to work their way through Platinum and through Diamond to get into the Heroes League. And that's a slower process for a lot of people. And a lot of people choose to stay in Platinum, uh, whether they be farmers or choosing to play slowly, uh, whatever the situation. So this month is unique in that next month, everyone who makes it into the Heroes League will be starting in Diamond. And whatever population we see in Heroes League at the end of the month, we should be seeing more of that earlier in the month as well. Right. Everybody had to go through two full leagues this month. So in theory, it should take you, give or take, effectively half the amount of stars to get from where you start the month to Heroes League. And not only that, but you'll be matched up against more opponents because people in Heroes League can be matched into Diamond players, but cannot be matched into Platinum players. And I think that that's going to be a really significant part of it, too. Yeah, there was early on, I felt like there was a lot of I'm running into nothing but bots. I can't, uh, you know, in Diamond and then I can't queue into anybody when I hit Heroes League. I think there was a lot of news that might have slowed down some of the players who otherwise might have pushed to try to hit Heroes League earlier. Right. And I definitely understand that. Why push to get all your games in early to get up to Diamond to just play bots and not actually any real players? That's not fun or exciting. No, it's not. But so so with that in mind, I think it's kind of important uh, to, to, to try to split the issue into two pieces. One is, is the, um, is the amount of reward for winning versus, you know, the amount of risk for losing is, is in other words, are the factors inside the ELO calculation correct or do they need to be adjusted? And I think Sheepyard from the beginning said, guys, this is the beginning, not the end. We're going to have to muck with this. We already know that we're going to make adjustments forward. 
So I think there's some legitimate conversation there that we'll have about, hey, this is this doesn't feel quite right right now. Maybe things need to be adjusted. But I feel like before we get there, Sabaiku, we need to go more fu- fundamentally because it, it seems like there's um, a lot of this isn't, you know, <laughs> I said I wanted this, but now that I have it, this isn't what I wanted kind of uh, vibe coming from the community right now. Arthas, what do you think? Heroes League forces players to play the same decks with the same unhealthy cards, and there's just no escaping it. Yeah, a lot of players were saying they wanted more endgame content, and they were dissatisfied with Diamond 1 being this big open sandbox where you could play all you wanted, but nothing really mattered. Right. And Sheepyard has definitely heard that and given them something to work for and something to play for and something that actually matters. Uh, But also, if you don't care about the rank, you can just still continue to treat this as the Diamond 1 sandbox where you can test out your ideas and your decks uh, against the top players in the games. And that's, uh, to me at least, like that's really important. I did not want to lose that sense of fun and excitement where it was this this place where you could kind of just let anything happen and now there's consequences for experimentation and losing right those consequences are are real though like i know they're not real they're not real i know they're not real the points are made up and the score doesn't matter but your score does change and you're losing rank and that makes it feel like it's important exactly right um i i was a little upset at first uh with sheepyard's choice of making the leaderboard only the top 100 but i've actually found sitting in the 200s you know or not the 200 but the the 100 to 200 the second hundred players has been very liberating (laughs) yeah i'm stinking up the joint but nobody has to know but me (laughs) exactly you have once you drop off of that top 100, you have anonymity and you can do what you want and you don't feel like the consequences are as real. And yes, you may gain or lose five points of rank for each game, but it doesn't matter, right? The, what's the difference between player number 178 and 183? You know, nothing really. Right. So let's let's get to the the, the meat and potatoes of this. What is an ELO system trying to accomplish, right? And I think the ELO system is trying to accomplish, in general, two things. It's trying to add drama to the end of the month. It's trying to create a a, a last minute, last couple of day push that adds a lot of drama and excitement. Who is going to finish first? The system rewards nada for being ranked number one longer through the month. There's no reward given, no fusion stones, no gold, no nothing for holding it for 20 straight days or anything. It doesn't matter. It's just who finishes the month, right? Correct. Yep. The other thing it does is it tries to limit how much of that tryharding push exists. So, so we're, we're going to use the, um, uh, for those of you who don't know what a, uh, like a tour bike race looks like. Everybody starts at the at the the starting line at the same point, and the vast majority of the bikers are in this giant group right in the middle. They call it the peloton. 
that's where the name comes from for that uh, exercise bike that costs an absolute fortune. Um, but the Peloton is where the yellow jacket, the guy who's actually leading the race for 90% of the day's ride, he's in the middle. He ain't doing anything. And the reason why he's doing that is because he's got all these other people breaking up the wind resistance. He doesn't have to push too hard. He can kind of just relax and chill. And for the majority of the day's race, not break that big of a sweat. There are people who try to get out in front of the Peloton, but as soon as they do, they're encountering their own wind resistance and they have to try to fight harder to keep ahead than everyone else has to fight just to stay on pace. Those people in front, they get some camera time, the helicopter follows them, maybe the motorcycle guy with the cameraman on the back of it rides up so you can get a cool shot of his face as he's working really hard. He ain't winning the day. <laughs> the guys who push out in front of the Peloton, you know, maybe they think they can make it. Maybe they think they can make it, but almost inevitably they exhaust themselves. The Peloton overtakes them. And right at the end, the guy with the yellow jacket and everyone else who's really in contention, they push for the last mile. They fly. Their sprint is at the end of the day, not the middle. We bring that to the ELO system and to, and to what's going on here. The further you get ahead, the higher your score is in comparison to the average player you might queue into, the worse the reward and the bigger the risk. You encounter more resistance the further out you are. Right. And then you end up in a situation where you have to maintain not a 60% win rate to have a positive day, but an 80% win rate to have a positive day. And that's just not sustainable. Maybe you'll get there some days. I hope you do, but, but it's, it's you exhausting. can't do that every day. No, and it's exhausting. Putting that much pressure on yourself to stay ahead of the Peloton all month is exhausting, right? The, the odds, there's only one or two other people who've got similar enough scores to yours that you can queue in and get an even match. The odds of that happening throughout the day that the two of you queue in and fight each other, next to nothing. You're more likely going to find somebody in the middle of the pack whose score is much lower than yours because that's where everybody else is. We're all in the Peloton. Or, well, not me. I'm, I'm watching the taillights of the Peloton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, to your point, this is an issue that could be solved with population size. You know, Right now, there's 243 players in the Heroes League. As that number increases... Just the chances you get matched up with somebody higher up and closer to your score also increase because they're just more likely to be somebody playing at the same time. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Although right now there seems to be a little bit of um, fear of loss striking uh, some of the top players at least. And so they're just not queuing up more than one or two games a day for fear that they drop rank. Um, and And the funny thing about that is if you think about it from the standpoint of not am I, if if my rank is 20, but I'm one of the top three players, I'm just not there right now. I'm in such an advantage, right? If you're number one, Sabaiku, and I'm 20, but I'm one of the top three players, because my rank is so much lower, my score is so much lower, I'm going to be rewarded more for winning it. Right. If you can queue up against me multiple times and take two out of three or three out of five, you'll gain so much more than I will when I win that you still make up that ground, even though you're only winning. Actually, even even 40% of the games against me, if you win, you'll still probably make more ground than I will because your rank is lower. And 
on the other side, I am punished so much more for those losses that I will actually lose rate even if I maintain a 60% win rate against you. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and so if we if we bring this to another game that you and I both used to, to play a lot of Hearthstone, uh, back in the day, I don't know if everybody knows, but back in the day, Hearthstone used the top finishes each month in all of their um, regions uh, for points. And those points would uh, qualify you for uh, their seasonal tournaments. This hundreds, I think, I'm not wrong, right? Hundreds of thousands of dollars in pot money for those tournaments. So, so, so making one of the top finishes on at least one server is kind of important. And I used to watch a lot of the pros back then, and they would play every day. They were not afraid of playing, but they also weren't even trying to hold a rank up at the top five for for the month. Yeah, and they would hang out top 500, top Top 1,000. Right. They're not worried about it. They're just goofing off. They're memeing. They know that the last week, the last five days, the last three days. so, So the middle of the month, hitting number one legend was a cool thing. It was a badge of honor for a lot of different people. A lot of different players made it, but they weren't the ones who were finishing the month at one. It was a cool way for like you to try to make your name, or maybe you have a cool new deck that you want to put onto Hearthpone and, and showcase. Well, you showcase it with your your number one legend badge as proof that it's a good deck. But in general, the real pros, they weren't duking it out all month long. They'd get exhausted. They were having fun. They were playing every day. But they weren't they weren't trying for the for the race. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's just kind of based on an understanding of what the system incentivizes and how to play accordingly. And the analogy isn't 100 percent direct. It's Hearthstone was a game that you really could make your living playing and it incentivized you to really play a ton at the end of the month um, because those tournaments were maybe how you made your money for the year. Yeah, it was real money, man. But this is just for bragging rights and fusion stones. Like, it's not as, I don't want to say it's not as important, but the real world stakes are definitely not as high. No, but the competition right now is fierce. Like, like, and there's nothing wrong with that, I think. No, it's great. I mean, it's great to see as a spectator. I would not want to be involved in it with my level four cards that couldn't hang. Um but it's great to see as a spectator that people are taking it seriously and people are trying and people really do want to win it. Uh, I just worry that that's not sustainable over the next few months. You know, this is a reaction to the first season and in two months, will people still be trying as hard or will a different group of people be trying hard instead? Because the ones that that made top 10 this first month are all burnt out. Yeah, I hope that's that's my fear, right? That that was one of the real big motivators for wanting to make this episode was to try to get this out there and to try to have a voice of not necessarily reason because I don't think they're being unreasonable with what they're doing, but I do think that there is a better more sustainable way of competing for a month-long ELO system that that I just kind of want to present it and say you know, here, guys and gals, try this on for size. Arthas, what do you think? Heroes League forces players to play the same decks with the same unhealthy cards, and there's just no escaping it. Um, so with that in mind of what the ELO is supposed to do, Sabaiku, I do want to bring in a bit of criticism because, as I already said, you beat the Merc, I beat uh, Hook and uh, Tony, and when I won my two games, I was... 
I've never had more than 1,100 ELO. So my ELO has always been in the 1,000 and change, 1,050, 1,060 kind of a thing. I was awarded 18 points for each of those two wins. And I think you said you got 15 points for the Merc today, correct? correct? Yep. An ELO system is supposed, I don't want to say supposed to, but my experience with ELO systems in the past, watching all those pros, they could fly from a thousand to a hundred in no time. They could go on a win streak and fly through because they were beating people and, you know, they would queue in, they'd queue into somebody at 80 and they're like, oh, this is great. I'm going to jump up now. Their, their shot from a thousand to a hundred was easy. Their shot from a hundred to 10 was getting very difficult by the end. And then the shot from 10 to one was, was where it would take several days of just pushing to try to get there. And sometimes they couldn't, right? Cause there's more than one pro on the server who's, who's there. But I feel like part of the reason why a top player right now might look at the system and say, well, this isn't, this isn't, I have to stay up here. I have to keep fighting to stay at, you know, in the top five or 10. If the, if there's not going to be a bigger disparity than me playing the number one right now. And if all I get is 18 points for that, right? Like that's a pretty big concern that, man, how many wins in a row would somebody who's only, let's say, a thousand points behind, right? Because if you're a thousand points behind, what's the, what's the leaderboard got right now? Oh, the leaderboard right now is like 1400 or so at the top. It's okay, not a hundred points below. Yeah. Right? So, so, so let's say you're a hundred or 150 points below and each win at, you're not getting, even if you queue into the top guys, you're not getting 18 for those because you're not that far behind. You might get what, 12. Right. And now you end up having to pull, if you want to make up a hundred points, you have to pull 10 in a row against top level competition. That's well, right. That's starting to, that's starting to sound hard as you get closer the number of points that you get per win will drop off. Yeah, correct, correct. It's it, it, it's a, a diminishing returns the higher you get, which is what it's supposed to do. But it's also not supposed to be so static that you can't ever make it from, let's say, a hundred points behind. Part of this is definitely the way that Sheepyard has capped the number of crowns you can gain or lose based on level disparity. Right. The formula is available as part of the patch notes that were uh, released for the month of March. They're up on Stormbound Kitty. You can definitely check out that formula. And I believe that Kitty has a calculator that will let you know if if I'm at rank X and my opponent is rank Y, how many crowns will I win or lose based on the outcome of that match, uh, which is a handy tool for trying to understand Obviously, you can't control who you queue into that RNG of just the queue provides a lot of the the real drama in the game experience as opposed to the calculator. Uh, But the formula you can see is capped so that if I am at number 200 playing against the number one player, it's not like the number one is going to drop down 100 ranks and I'm going to gain 100 ranks from that. Right. It, It rewards multiple games in where you do well as opposed to one game with a lucky cue. So so that's one of the criticisms that I want to bring in as well, right? Is I don't believe an ELO system is really designed to identify the clear-cut number one player for the month. 
it's not possible. It's not like a, like a tournament where the top eight players play against each other. Winners move on. Winners move on. The person who won at the end, you can say, well, kind of beat everybody else. <laughs> so it's hard to make an argument that anybody else was better than them on that day. But in an ELO system, it's totally possible that number one and number two just never play. Sure. What the ELO rewards is consistent good play mm-hmm. and lots of play, right? Uh, like we talked about, it. there's a cap on the number of crowns you can win or lose per match, which means it rewards multiple matches where you do well. Now, the problem that you run into is one one upset where you lose 15 or 18 crowns can take you four, five, six matches against equal level competition to rebuild. And that's the part that uh, a lot of people that are trying to stay in the top 10, top 20 are really struggling with. You know, if I queue up against number 150 and lose, I just drop immediately and it's going to take me so much time to come back from that that it's not even worth it. Well, right, because... Right now, especially, but just in general, they're not going to queue into anybody else in the top 10. <laughs> One of them's playing at a time, effectively. So it's not, I, I, it's, it's, I lose one to somebody with, you know, an ELO score of 1100. And then my next five cues are all to people with similar ELO scores. Yeah, I'm still winning those, the other five, but those five barely pay, pay back what I lost in the first game. Like one upset out of six is you know right. is, is, is that's that's a pretty big hit and that's the problem i think is that an 80 percent win rate leaves you treading water I, that that feels real bad a 60 percent win rate leaves you treading water i can feel okay with that because you're you know you're winning more games than you lose but you know you're beating players that are lower ranked than you that you're expected to beat well, I mean, that's that's part of it, too, right? Is not for nothing. You you should be winning 80%. Like, ignore the ELO system. If I am looking at everybody who was in Diamond 1 last month, and I look at one of the top players, right? Um, it doesn't matter who. You, you know, Tony, Wulifan, Oni, any of them. They're all fantastic. And you ask me, I'm going to let that player play against the rest of the Diamond 1 field, just picking random opponents out of a hundred games, what do you expect? I would probably pick them to win about 80%, right? Like, like, isn't that just kind of on paper what they, what the top players should be doing against the rest of us? I guess. I mean, I know that if I queue into the Merc 10 times, I do expect to lose eight or nine of those. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've beat Tony twice, lost to him once. The, the 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 rest of the times I see him this month, I expect to lose every single one of them. Um, uh, I believe you only beat him one of those times because he disconnected also. Correct. The discon- Yes, second win was a disconnect. That is correct. Uh, he played his first <laughs> turn, and then I won. <laughs> Arthas, what do you think? Heroes League forces players to play the same decks with the same unhealthy cards, and there's just no escaping it. But but to my point then, if the ELO system has a certain amount of RNG in it, in that it's about who you end up being able to queue into on whether or not you can get points back, then does it make sense to delineate the rewards first gets more rewards, more whatever than the next nine players combined? Wouldn't it make more sense to just say, look, the top 10 all have effectively outperformed 
the rest of the Heroes League. Uh, we're going to just give all of them the same reward and treat them as as the the, the top 10 f- finishers, not trying to make any sort of delineation that one is somehow better, because I almost can guarantee you right now, the difference between who wins the number one spot versus the number two spot at the end of the month will almost entirely be because of who they managed to queue into on the last night. Yes and no. I I like the idea of rewarding the top 10 or rewarding people that manage to stay in the top 10 for a significant portion of the season. Um, Which we're not doing, though. No, no. I'm, I'm saying I, I like these ideas in general, mm-hmm. but that removes the incentive to try hard and finish at number one, right? That removes the incentive to play a ton on the last day and really like put your best effort forward. It removes the incentive to try to say, yeah, I am better than the rest. You're not disincentivizing them from playing by saying the top 10 are all rewarded the same, right? Maybe you want to make it the top five. I'm comfortable with that as well. All I'm saying is it's, you're, you're not actually rewarding necessarily better play by giving number one more rewards. You're, you're, the, the play between one and two and probably three and four are going to be comparable to the point where I don't think you could really discern a difference in terms of their win rate, in terms of anything. It's just going to be who they queued into. Yeah, sure. But where do you draw that line, right? Is it yeah, top 10? Know. Is it top 20? Is it top three? So looking at the Heroes board right now as we're recording, the top three players have scores 1430 to 1450 crowns approximately. So 20 crown difference between them all. The difference between three and four is 1430 to 1390. That's a pretty significant drop, right? Right. And then you go from number one to number 10. The difference is almost 100 crowns, 1450 to 1365. Like, And that's not to disparage the rest of the top 10. It's just obviously a few people are either winning a lot or playing a lot or both probably both probably both in order to pull away from the rest of the pack like we talked about that is going to make it harder for them to maintain their status at the top yep but don't you want to reward the people that do that and who really play why is a person who jumps out to a huge league not proportionately rewarded for that doesn't their play and and their win rate warrant that the devil's advocate there is that, well, two through nine or, or two through 10 are all treated exactly the same right now. They're just treated not as good as one. But I don't think unless they manage to queue into exactly each other, I don't think you're going to get that delineation between one and two. My point is that somebody finishes the season with the most number of points. Why would you not reward that? I'm not saying don't reward it. I'm just saying that because we know that finishing with the the most number of points isn't necessarily because they played better. I mean, the top 10 get more rewards. Yeah. The top 10 get more rewards than the top 100. The top 100 gets more rewards than the top 500. Why are we drawing a line between 100 and 101? (laughs) Why are we drawing a line between 10 and 11? (laughs) Well, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. You have to draw the line somewhere. You're absolutely right. All I am saying is, um, I, I feel like, groupings by 10s, by 20s, 50s, 100s. These are all reasonable saying all of these people performed relatively similar within the Heroes League this season. They they earned themselves relatively similar rewards. Makes sense. I don't think that the that 
the Heroes League delineates is is the proper mechanism for delineating somebody having been superior than their next of peers one to two. I just don't. It's this not. Isn't but ne- nobody's saying superior. Nobody's saying superior. They're just saying you finished the month with the most grounds. Good job. Yeah, I guess you're trying to take. You're trying to turn this into the number one finisher is the best player in the game, and you're the only one making that argument. No one else is. You, you think you think that 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 saying well we think anybody who finishes in the top ten is is you know a hero league champion uh uh and reward them all as such or top five to pick pick a number I think it dilutes the achievement yes mm, I don't know I don't know um I I I want the game to be enjoyable and 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 my my old experience with Elo systems was there was two or three days of tryharding at the end of the month and the rest of the time everyone just was there and had fun you you maybe you go back to your best deck for a couple of games to try to stay afloat within your 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 shot like if you're comfortable going from 500 to 200 and then from 200 in and you start dropping below 500 you know you'd see somebody like RDU play a a like i gotta i gotta stop with the meme deck now i've got to get into something more serious because i'm falling too far away from where i can make my push but for the most part like what i remember is everyone just relaxed and having fun and jamming lots of games in yeah and not worrying about the score until the last couple of days uh and and i can't tell right now if what we have is a group of players at the top who who don't have that experience and don't have that history with Elo from other games, uh, and so they're just sort of misapplying the rules and misunderstanding what the formula is incentivizing, or if the current formula actually just isn't fluid enough. If 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 their experience with it is once you get out ahead, you can't be caught, so I can't fall behind because then I can never catch up. Yeah, and this is definitely, I think, something that we'll have to keep an eye on over the next couple of months. I think, like we said earlier, this is an outlier of a month with the first season, with people staying in platinum to start the month. And I I believe that there's going to be a big change next month just from people who finish in the Heroes League starting in Diamond. It's going to be so much easier. There's going to be so much less stress on trying to get there. Also, not for nothing, I think after a, a, a month of it, a lot of people will also kind of have a better understanding of where they fit in the grand scheme of things. Um, Arthas, what do you think? Heroes League forces players to play the same decks with the same unhealthy cards, and there's just no escaping it. You're already starting to see a split which seems to be right around the top 100 where scores are listed in the top 100 and they're where names are listed in the top 100, but they're not below that. Mm-hmm. You know, I play somebody with a thousand to 1100 crowns and generally they're playing an off meta deck. They're playing something that looks interesting. They're playing what they have leveled up as opposed to what is optimized for the top 10 or top 100. Um, and it's a lot more like diamond one was last month. Whereas when I queue into somebody with 1200 or 1300 crowns, you know, they're playing something that is optimized, something that's entirely level five. Like they're very clearly trying to not lose rank. They're very clearly trying to win. You know, that, that kind of split is something that I did expect 
Uh, I didn't get it as early in the month as I was hoping, but it's nice to see that some people are still treating this as a sandbox and a, a test lab and a way to have fun with the game as opposed to focusing on the rank. Now, the downside of that is that people who are trying to experiment and test out new decks are getting queued into people with 1,200, 1,300, 1,400 crowns who are not as appreciative of their efforts and and are playing something fully optimized that they're trying to crush their opponents and gain rank. And, you know, that that does make it a little harder to test out new things and have fun. I, I will admit that. Arthas, what do you think? Heroes League forces players to play the same decks with the same unhealthy cards, and there's just no escaping it. As you know, I've been trying to test out uh, this sort of pseudo mid-range pseudo rush uh, uh, or winter deck. I don't know what you want to call it. It's got Jev. It's got Icicle uh, Burst in it. And then it uses like Mistwives and Murs and stuff. You can find the, 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 the deck list online in a couple of spots. But part of the reason why I've been doing it is because I'm trying to answer the question of, okay, my, my library is very few fives, mostly fours. What can I expect? winning without trying to just jam the best deck I've got. If I just want to kind of get there and do what I used to do in Diamond 1, what is the win rate I can hope for? And I've been around 33% win rate with it, um, intentionally just trying to play as much, but I'm also optimizing the deck, learning the play style, and the win rate lately has ticked up to about 38.8, just about 39%. So I'm hoping that by the end of this season, not updating, not up leveling up any cards, but just like I, I, I want to be able to kind of show that, yeah, I don't I'm not a you know maxed out collection kind of player, but I can still win about 50 percent of my games, which not for nothing sounds like pretty reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so so I'm doing that. I'm trying to stream them. Uh, you can go to my Twitch channel to, to find them uh, just so you can see. That, yeah, I mean, it's not all level fives you can't beat. You win games. You're not going to win them all, but it's not like this big, scary thing that you have to try to avoid. The Heroes League is actually pretty fun overall, I think. You? It's fun if you want to treat it that way. And, you know, in general, I've been enjoying it. But again, I've been not taking it seriously. I tanked my win rate very early on by trying to experiment with some uh, Surrey decks and trying trying out different builds um it was it was a lot of fun experimenting but then i went back to you know my good old shadow fan and started trying to work my way back up a little bit because i did i do want to try to finish the month in the top 100 well i only have 100 to go then (laughs) (laughs) but that's just one way to play the game like you know creating and optimizing a deck and learning how to play it is a worthwhile goal in and of itself and you know that's not something that's really encouraged by the ranking system and it's a different skill set than the ranking system measures but that doesn't make it any less of a valuable way to to spend your time or a, any less of an enjoyable way to play the game you know just because your rank is moving positive or negative shouldn't have an impact on how much you like to play the game all right let's let's wrap this up there, there are there are some things that we need to watch out for okay we need to watch uh for how uh much the points change at the end of the last night of the month we'll we'll watch that we'll take note of it and then there's hopefully some some changes coming out uh we should hear about the patch notes in the coming week. I, I hope that Sheepyard tries to make the Heroes League more fluid. 
And I know a lot of people think that's backwards, but I think the pressure is off of you if you drop from, let's say, number two to number five, if you can easily get back, right? Or at least you think it's feasible to get back. Right now, I think that a lot of players are looking at it and thinking, well, if I drop 20 crowns a match when I lose, I'm never going to regain this rank. And I understand why they think that. I I don't know. It's a tough problem to solve. Um, One thing that we haven't gotten into yet, but uh, Sheepyard did just announce on the Discord today that they'll be making changes to the matchmaking system for next month. We don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know what that's going to impact in the Heroes League or on the rest of the ladder. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit more when we have more information and when we look at the patch notes for the next upcoming season. Knock on wood. All right, so let's move on from our main topic. We have been tasked uh, from last week. Uh, the obvious question came up, why have we never looked and reviewed the Brood Sages as the card of the week? So here we are. Brood Sages is our card of the week. It is an epic. It's two mana. It's strength going up the levels two, three, three, four, five. It has no movement, Sabaiku, but it has a really sweet effect on play for each surrounding poisoned unit. Spawn a one strength toad on, and again by levels two, two, three, three, four tiles bordering it. It's a unique effect. It's a really neat effect. It requires you to have a little bit of poison synergy in your deck, but not too much. And honestly, if you're playing Shadowfen, you're probably trying to jam Heliotroopers in there anyway. And just Heliotroopers and Brute Sages is a fantastic combination in and of itself. Shadowfen being a faction that wants to make these one strength toad tokens and can really take advantage of the one strength tokens. Brute Sages is just fantastic. It's flexible. It's good. You can put a lot of strength on the board. You can spawn ahead of the poisoned unit to move your front. Uh, You can jam up the board to prevent your opponents from being able to move. It's such a useful card in so many ways. Yeah, it's one of the few cards that can do what Doppelbox does, right? Like, if my opponent has kind of locked everything up, I can use Brood Sages to to jump my front. It's it's really handy for that. It's fantastic for base locking. Um, I will say though, in preparation for this, you went and grabbed the change log, and holy smokes, you want to talk about a card that's seen some changes. <laughs> this card was changed three times in 2017, three times in 2018, and twice in 2019. Eight changes. Different kinds of buffs and nerfs along the way. Changing the mana, changing the movement, changing the strength, changing the ability. It's pretty nuts. Uh, This is clearly a card that was problematic or terrible at various points in Stormbound (laughs) history. Uh, So I'm going to ask you one question. Mm -hmm. Why don't you run this in your Shadowfen deck? Why don't I run it in my Shadowfen deck? So the reason why I don't run Brood Sages in my Shadowfen deck anymore, and, and to be clear, I used to. I used to love using it with just Helio Troopers. I did run Toxac in the deck, so every once in a while I would try to pair it with that somehow. Uh, two things. Um, I opted for Saber Paws once I got it to level 5 because Saber Paws on its own can get me 5 points. I need Brood Sages with Butchers 
which is not always impossible. Um, but but Saberpaws is just as versatile. Um, if I need a Toxac target, I can plant it right where it needs to be to blow up, just like I used to do with Brood Sages. Um, but it also is a, a really versatile runner. So it's one of those guns that we were talking about. Uh, uh, Saberpaws specifically took the spot of Brood Sages. The other reason why I don't feel like I need it as much is it's not as good of an AoE uh, hedge as Azure Hatcher is. So worried about um, uh, like an Aaron uh, Bladestorm kind of deck, I prefer to have Azure Hatcher somewhere on the board versus Brood Sages, which yes, I mean, it does create a nice wide board, but it's a nice wide board that gets wiped. Both very reasonable. Um, I ended up taking this out of my deck for a couple of reasons. I took it out for Azure Hatcher specifically because mm-hmm. Azure Hatcher has the same spawning effect and can move your front, but does so a little more reliably. I don't have to have anything poisoned on the board. I don't have to have any synergy with it. It just moves my front and then also has the uh, added bonus of protecting against AOE, like you mentioned. And then number two, Brute Tages is an epic, and it just fell behind in the leveling because of that. Oh, good point. I didn't. I didn't get it up to a reasonable level until just recently you know even at level three it's six strength total for two mana and now that six strength is spread out it's distributed across multiple bodies which has pros and cons but you know i also don't put lawless herd in my deck i think six strength for two mana is good but it kind of needs to do a little bit more. And the condition was just a little too hard to meet. I think if I had it at level five, maybe it makes the cut back in instead of Azure Hatcher, right? Mm. Then you're talking about nine strength for two mana if you can trigger it on something poisoned. See, that's that. so, so part of the problem with it, for example, is it's a terrible opener. Green Protos, Brood Sages feels bad well it feels bad when your brute sages are three strength but when they're five and you you're still putting a ton of strength on the board even though it doesn't move so so very specifically there is um and we we actually discussed this uh, i just want to bring it up very quickly one of the things that saber pause alone adds to the game is the ability to react to your opponent's green prototype opener by throwing the saber pause in front of the green prototypes so that the green prototypes will crash into it on their uh, at the start of their turn, and then putting a five health unit or you know green uh, your own gifted recruits whatever it is right next to it to get the buff. That's that's something that I see now in Heroes League all the time when I open with green protos. You can't do that with brood sages, right? Like so so you would have to be talking about keeping hags recruits brood sages and saber paws for two drops in the deck maybe but that feels a little light to me and with brood sages i really want to have copper skin in the deck Mm, that just mm -hmm. adds one more that now you're up to almost half your deck (laughs) if if you add in green prototypes you're talking about literally half your deck being a one or a two (laughs) plus toxac is in there well are you going to take toxac out for i guess you do at least the games would be over quickly <laughs> One way or another. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to end uh, the episode for tonight, which means it's time for me to remind you that you can contact us, preferably in our channel in Stormbound Discord, or you can use Twitter at Brood Sages. You can always email us at thebroodsages at gmail.com. Uh, we also have an additional way for you to reach out to us and support us. We did start a Gumroad account where you can become uh, patrons of our work. 
check out the link on a Stormbound Kitty page. Uh, we've heard from a lot of people this week, Sabaiku. Uh, Supla gave us this about our last episode, about the guns episode. Great episode. And also, I want to ask, what is your favorite mechanic for each faction? Oh, boy. Okay, let's go through this quick. Sabaiku, give me your top four. For each faction? Uh, yeah. For winter, it's got to be the freeze mechanic. Now, yeah. For swarm, it's command forward. Okay. It's it's unique. It's interesting. Yeah, it's fun cool. to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh Shadowfin is convert actually. The convert mechanic is super mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Uh mostly because the fav- my favorite thing to do in the game is to frustrate my opponent. Good. And for Ironclad, uh I'm going to say the Mia effect is my my favorite mechanic triggering the structure. Okay. Okay. Uh so mechanics for me, uh, you took freeze so I will ignore freeze. My favorite is playing an overstatted four drop. Uh, my favorite for Shadowfen is playing an overstatted three drop. <laughs> uh, I uh, I actually really like the drain. Uh, like witches is one of my favorite cards. I I, I do really like witches. Um, I think it's neat. The drain mechanic is cool. Uh, Ironclad. The, honestly, I I love the push, not the pull, but the push. Uh, but really, the only reason why I ever play uh, uh, Ironclad is because I love Green Gale Serpents. That's that that mechanic that I'm going to buff myself and, oh, some other dragon somewhere else. Like, I always want to put another dragon in my Ironclad decks. I want to make a dragon Ironclad deck someday that works. I haven't. <laughs> I've tried a couple of times and failed. Uh, and then last, uh, for Swarm, I, I really like the command mechanic, too. Um, moving on, Natterned asked uh, or said, a great episode. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Uh, Evil Deck said, I do like having 12 cards in a deck, but I'd be okay with 15, 16, but no more than 20 cards per deck. If there were more cards per deck, would this nerf or buff the pirate ability to change cards in hand? Sabaiku, what do you think? Buff. Being able to move through more cards to get exactly what you want, I think would become really important if the number of cards in the deck were uh, drastically increased. I think you are you are half right. I think they uh, the 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 pirates would become necessities, but their their ability would be less powerful than it is currently. It's harder for them then to find Ubas, for example, or whatever you're looking for, the Mers token, um, than it would be right now. So their power level would drop, but in comparison to not running them, they would become a more critical card. I think you're right. Uh, Shades said, I just wanted to clarify something about decks listed in the meta report. I've been playing a Mersbass Javana for a long time now, since the uh, freeze package got the buff, and always thought it had solid potential to be among the different metas we've had in the last three months. I just want to understand how this list hasn't been posted before, and it only got out now. Um, so... Yeah, it's really hard. There's no like central uh, like central repository of all of the meta decks. This is the first month where we've really started to have that because we have a way of proving that it's a top tier deck, right? People play it at the top. So Wulifan brought in a lot of interest into a Icicle Javana deck that I'm sure lots of people, yourself included, have been playing for quite a while. Um, it inspired me to start experimenting with it. Um, uh, so it's my mid-range list that's in there right now just because I was lazy. I didn't feel like going and looking for another one. <laughs> um, uh, and it's Wooly Fun's control deck that's in there this month. We 
I'm happy to uh, to to propose uh, yours and put it in there too. If you feel like it, just uh, reach out to us in Discord and uh, give us a link. Uh, and lastly, the Merc gave us an XOXO gossip girl and hey, kisses and hugs right back at you, baby. That's going to do it for this episode. For Sabaiku, I am Freeloader. We are the Brood Sages reminding you to stay hydrated. <laughs>